the only suitable sacrifice for sins was made at the cross. And if we drift away from the cross, and if we reject and neglect what's represented on the cross, then we don't have anything else to rely on. Because Jesus paid it all. He didn't just pay some, He paid it all. But if we reject the work of the cross, there's no escape. There's nothing else. There's nowhere else we can go. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. It is our hope that this message will encourage you, strengthen your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. So the title this morning is Don't Drift. Don't Drift. When you hear the word drift, what do you think of? We're in the south, so we don't get a whole lot of snow. But when we do get snow, we usually have a big one, two or three inches. It's big for us. There's usually drifts of snow pile up around buildings. We see on the news places up north every winter that have feet of snow, and they're huge drifts, taller than a man usually. If you're a fan of motorsports, when you think of the word drift, you may think of that maneuver that they do to go around a curve where they sling the back end around and turn sharply, and that's called drifting. An airplane pilot, when he's asked what is drift, may say, well, that's the, the, uh, the wind drift that we get when we're flying. Have you ever been in one of those nice resorts where you've got the lazy river and you just float along on that tube in that lazy river and just drift along? That can be a good thing. There's a song in 1973 by W. Gray talking about drifting away, getting caught up in rock and roll music and just letting the music just drift you away. So there are times when drifting can be good. There are times when Drifting can be dangerous. For example, if you go to the Niagara River, I'm told that there's signs all along that river warning you against drifting because you get too close to the falls. If you go out here on Main Street and you take off down the street and close your eyes and let go of the wheel, you're going to drift one way or the other, eventually either running into a building or a light pole or running into another car. So that drifting is dangerous. There's another kind of dangerous drifting that we're going to speak about this morning in Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to talk about spiritually drifting. See what God's Word has to say about it. See what His Word says we need to do to avoid it. See what we need to do to apply that to our lives. So let's pray together as we begin and then we'll read from Hebrews 1. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just ask You to speak to our hearts through the power of Your Holy Spirit, Lord. Speak through me. I ask for a special measure of Your Holy Spirit today as I preach. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hebrews chapter 1, we're going to read the first four verses of that chapter. Remember, Hebrews is written to Jewish people who have become Christians. So it's written to them. But it can also be written to us, those of us who are already Christians in today's time. And it's also written for those who have not yet come to know Jesus. It gives some wonderful truths there. Is we look into these things. Let's look there in Hebrews 1, starting in verse 1. 
In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. He reminds us that Jesus is God's son and that Jesus is the heir of all things. He reminds us that the universe was made through Jesus. In fact, also the Apostle John, when he wrote the Apostle, the, the Epistle, not the Epistle, the Gospel from the Apostle John in chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So he reminds us there, as, is, as the writer of Hebrews does, that nothing was made without Jesus being involved. He reminds us there in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And he said he sustains all things by the power of his word. He reminds us how Jesus provided that once for all sacrifice. On the cross, sacrificing his own life and shedding his own blood for you and me, providing that purification for sins, and then taking his seat at the right hand of the Father. Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 1 about these same things, for God was pleased to have all his fullness, speaking of Jesus, dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then on over the rest of that chapter 1. It reminds us of the superiority of Jesus. The superiority of his name. It's the same superiority of the name of Jesus that, that Peter talked about in Acts chapter 4. Where he said salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I can't think of any other passage in Scripture that so adequately reflects the superiority of Jesus and the authority of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1. So let's move on now to chapter 2. And those first few verses there, first four verses of chapter 2. Because of what chapter 1 says, and it's a continuation as we go on into chapter 2, some, some versions start with therefore, but the NIV that I have doesn't have therefore right there at the beginning. But it says in chapter 2 and verse 1, we must pay more careful attention therefore, meaning because of what I just said in chapter 1, we, should, we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. 
God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. As we move on into this chapter 2 here, there are three things I think I want to bring to your attention this morning. Three things that he lists there in those four verses. The first thing I want to bring to your attention is a word of caution. A word of caution. In verse 1 there it says, We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Now we don't just wake up one morning and decide to walk away from Jesus or to drift away from God. It's a slow, gradual process. A slow drift. He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about moving away from God. Moving away from that closeness that we're supposed to have when we're in Christ. That's what he's talking about there. Drifting away. Once we're truly saved with, by faith in Jesus, we're secure. But we can so easily drift. And the writer gives that word of caution there. Pay attention, he says. Don't drift away. We're to be growing more and more like Jesus every day once we come to faith in Him. 1 John 2 and verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. Colossians chapter 3 again in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And there's the words of a hymn I found. We don't sing it. I have not remember singing it. But the words of this hymn says, More like Jesus, more like Jesus, every day I long to be. Bending low in heart contrition. Savior, hear my soul petition. Make me more and more like Thee. And that should be our heart's desire. Once we come to Him by faith, we should be wanting to be more and more like Him. But there's so many forces out there pulling us in different directions. And that's the reason we got this word of caution here. Pay attention. Don't drift away. It's easy to drift away slowly. Our prayer life starts drying up. Then the next thing you know, our Bible starts getting dust on it. Then we miss a service here or there. Next thing you know, we're out a month. It goes by like that. Next thing you know, we're gone six months and it goes by like that. It's dangerous. And God says through the pen of this writer of Hebrews, pay attention. Don't drift away. Think about this. If you and I are standing here in the center aisle, shoulder to shoulder, and we move six feet apart, it's pretty noticeable. But if we're a hundred yards away from each other and we move six feet further, you can't really tell a difference. If you're 500 yards from each other and you move six feet further away, you can't tell it. Same way with a boat. If you're in a boat, when you first drift away from the shore, it's noticeable. The further you get out into the water, the less noticeable it is. And once you get past the horizon where you can't see land in any direction, you can't even tell you're drifting anymore, but you are. That's how it is with us. That slow, steady, imperceptible drift that's so dangerous for the Christian. And we need to pay attention. We need to heed that word of caution. 
that he lists there for us there. There's that word of caution. But the second thing I want you to see, there's a serious question. A serious question in verse 2 there. He says, For if the message spoken to angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? How can we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? That's a serious question. He sets it up there by referring to the angels. There's Jewish tradition that says the angels were the ones that delivered the law to Moses. It came from God, but delivered by angels. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 speaks of this similar thing. In Galatians 3 and verse 19, the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. What he's saying is, he's arguing from the old to the new. From the promise to the fulfillment. He says, if the word of angels was binding in every violation back then, received its just reward. Then how can we escape in the New Testament times if we ignore such a great salvation? That's a serious question. The answer is, you can't escape it. There is no way to escape it. If you ignore it. Salvation is through faith alone in Jesus alone. And if we reject it or neglect it or ignore it, there's nowhere else to go. The apostles knew this. The disciples in John chapter 6, you remember Jesus had given a hard teaching and said the crowds that were around him started to kind of peel off and thin out. Crowds got thin. Finally, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And you remember what Peter said. John chapter 6 and verse 68. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. There's nowhere else to go. There's no escape if you ignore the great salvation that's through Jesus. Hebrews 10 and verse 26 says this, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Now that doesn't sound good at all, does it? He's saying there the only suitable sacrifice for sins was made at the cross. And if we drift away from the cross and if we reject and Neglect what's represented on the cross. Then we don't have anything else to rely on. Because Jesus paid it all. He didn't just pay some, He paid it all. But if we reject the work of the cross, there's no escape. There's nothing else. There's nowhere else we can go. So that serious question is posed there. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? And the answer is you can't. We've looked at that word of caution. How we need to pay attention. Not allow ourselves to begin to drift. We've looked at that serious question. How can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The third thing I want us to look at. Is a great salvation. 
This great salvation is found in none other than Jesus, as we said, and it's the gospel message, the good news. Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 1. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, it, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you've believed in vain. He says in verse 3 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me, Paul writes, as to one abnormally born. It's a great salvation he's talking about there because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We talked about what Peter said in Acts chapter 4 just a minute ago when they, he and John were before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 11. This is what Peter says. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone and salvation is found in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved and Jesus is referred to as the author of salvation later on in chapter 2 there in verse 10 in Hebrews he said it was fitting for God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect through our suffering that's Jesus that great salvation is found in no other now take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 6 with me for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 6. And I want to read a few verses here. This is going to bless your heart. Listen to this. Starting at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 6. It says, people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. It speaks of the forerunner, Jesus, entering behind the veil for us, paving the way. In Bible times, the ships had no steam engines. They had no diesel engines. They only had sails and oars. So if they were going to go into the harbor, the only way they could make it in was by sail or by oar. Harbors were not like they are today where they had them dredged out and deep. They were many times treacherous. The tide had to be just right to get over the sandbar that most harbors had out there at the entrance. 
So most ships would drop a small anchor before they got there and had to wait on the tide. But they had a man that would get in a little small rowboat and take the main anchor attached to that anchor line and row over the sandbar and find a suitable rock to attach that main anchor. And they call that man the forerunner. And he would go and he would attach that anchor to the rock well in the harbor. And when the time was right and the winds were right and the tide was right, they'd pull that ship right on into harbor safely. That person was called a forerunner. Look back at verse 19 there, Hebrews 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. That gives me chills. Thinking about the fact that Jesus made it across behind the veil. And we have that firm, secure anchor there. The very presence of God. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, Scripture says. And the cable that connects us to that anchor is the cable of our faith. So this morning as you assess your heart condition, you're either one of two. Your heart is either anchored firmly in the solid rock, or your heart is adrift. Maybe you are anchored and you've let, let go of the line a little bit and slipped away some and you began to drift away from God. He's calling you to come back to Him. To grip hold of that anchor line tightly with both hands. Maybe you've never come to Him by faith at all. You're drifting further away. There's still hope. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul if we grab hold of that line. We sang just a little while ago, in every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. We're secure in Jesus if we stay with Him and don't drift. Don't slip away. Jesus is calling us to grab hold of that line. If you need to make things right with Him today, today is the day. Now is the appointed time. You come as we pray and sing here in just a minute. Father, we're grateful for your message. Lord, we're grateful for the safety and security we can have when we come to Jesus by faith, Lord, that we can be secure in your hand. The Bible says that no one can snatch us out of your hand. But Father, some of us may be drifting. Some of us may be slipping away slowly, Lord, and just to... Help us to recognize that through this message this morning, Lord. And there may be some who listen later who don't know you. They've never grabbed hold of that anchor. They've never grabbed hold of that line. Father, help them to realize it's right there. They just need to reach out by faith and take hold of you. Help us in any way that we need to do, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.